This is episode 267 of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wiener, along with Jared Aubrey. And on this episode, we will be discussing the latest surrounding Tony Storm. Then we'll get into discussing some predictions for 2022, and we'll wrap up with our own predictions for WWE's Day 1 pay-per-view. Hey, yo, Jay Will, get us started. What up? This is Josiah Williams, and you're listening to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast. We're wrestling. And pop culture collide. Yeah. That's right. We are here for episode 267, and we are recording this on December 30th, so right up against the end of 2021. This will be my last file entry in my December 2021 folder for, you know, file organization and such. But before we get into any of what we are going to discuss tonight, Jarrett, how the hell are you? Not too bad, my friend. Not too bad at all. You got to give it to WWE, though, that at, at a time when, you know, we normally like to take a break around Christmas time and, you know, kind of get through the month and our year end awards. And then we don't come back until, you know, the pay-per-view in January, generally. And, of course, WWE goes and throws a giant wrench into that and gives us a January 1 pay-per-view. And it's filled with all kinds of rumors and shenanigans. And if anyone gets any matches right, well, if anyone gets any more than one match right on this card, I'm going to be surprised. Yes, that will be what we end the show with, but we are going to start things off with a little wrestling news. And the first story is the end of the WWE tenure of one Tony Storm. And... What a story this has been, even in the last just 24 hours. So much has come out and changed and updated. And so I'm going to try to do this in as chronological order as I possibly can. And these are these updates are coming from multiple sources. So first, Fightful Select and Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, initially reported the story that Tony Storm was gone from WWE. That was the initial report, and I think it was just a tweet. And I know Sean Ross Sapp tries to get just the news out there and then tries to flesh it out by checking with his uh, sources, obviously. So here is the report that was put out by Fightful Select. For those who missed it, Tony Storm was released... Wednesday afternoon by WWE, which was confirmed to Fightful by the company. Those that Fightful spoke to within WWE say that Tony Storm asked for her release from the company. This was later confirmed to Sean Ross Sapp, and they reached out to people close to Tony, who said that things were fine when asked about any extenuating circumstances and how she was doing. Storm worked a triple threat match at Tuesday night's WWE live event, and PW Insider noted that talent indicated she flew herself home. The memo that went out did not list budget cuts as the reason, as has been tradition of late. 
Fightful Select was told by many within WWE that they were blindsided by the news of Tony Storm asking for her release. One source within the company said that it would have been difficult for WWE to justify not granting someone their release after several rounds of quote-unquote budget cuts. Then there was a report that came out by Wrestling Observer Radio saying that the word going around was that Tony Storm left WWE because she was burnt out. Uh, then it goes on to say that she's likely under a 90 day non-compete clause, which would make her a free agent from WWE when it expires on Tuesday, March 29th of 2022. There's no word yet on what she has planned for her future. Then, uh, just before we had gone on the air tonight, I had seen that there was an exclusive to bodyslam.net saying that uh you know they had reiterated the reports from Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful and PW Insider uh they also say that uh the person who reported this uh Cassidy Haynes from bodyslam.net said that they asked around and their sources confirmed that Tony Storm did fly herself out last night uh, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday night, sorry, uh, following the live event and added that she paid out of her own pocket to fly herself home. They were told, uh, and quote, turns out Tony didn't exactly request her release. She just up and quit, worked a triple threat at a house show and then paid her out of her own pocket to fly herself home. It was stressed that WWE is handling it as her asking for her release and then them granting it. Um, that's how they're handling it in internally. So to further back up Sean Ross Sapp's report of the roster being blindsided by the news per a female WWE main roster talent, it's effing wild. She's just gone. Didn't really tell anyone. So, these are the reports and the stories that have come in. The additional thing to note is that she's either engaged to or married to uh, New Japan's Juice Robinson, who also appears sporadically for Impact Wrestling. So with a combination of her being reported as being burnt out, uh, probably wanting to be home, um might want to work closer with her significant other. Uh, wh what a whirlwind 24 hours this has been for yet another talent who's featured recently on TV. And Jared, I called this two to three weeks ago, and I couldn't find it. it we must have said it to each other, but I said, what is the point of getting invested in Tony Storm when she'll probably be gone in three weeks' time? And that's exactly what happened. Well, and here I thought I was the WWE whisperer. And it turns out that you, you've come up with a pretty good one here. Um, I, I was doing a lot of reading today, getting ready for, you know, the day one predictions and all that. And some things that I came across, uh, in addition to what you've said so far, Josh, is that she wasn't really happy the way she was, or allegedly not very happy the way she was being treated in this angle against Charlotte Flair is that, 
WWE is very protectionist of certain talent. I think we all know that. Um, she was not thrilled that in this feud that she was, again, all allegedly that she was the baby face in, the, in this feud, but she's the one that's constantly getting humiliated at the hands of Charlotte. Um, so some rumblings about her not being thrilled with the way things have gone and the way you know uh, people are getting stacked up against Charlotte and, and, and certain people are getting fed to certain talent. So I did read that as well. Well, that certainly makes sense. And it's just WWE once again, not utilizing any backstory or existing history that a wrestler has. Tony Storm, without a doubt, should have been presented as, if not an equal, then pretty damn close to being on Charlotte's level. And they treated her like she was beneath her. And there is no reason to inject any comedy bits into this feud or burgeoning feud. And that's exactly what they did with you. You, even if you don't want to use any of her NXT UK history, any, even if you don't want to bring up the May young classic, there's no way that Tony storm or anyone of her caliber should be being pie faced by your champion, your heel champion, numerous times, and then her retaliation is to do the same thing to Charlotte. Just, I, I don't blame her if that's the case. Yeah, normally along those kind of lines, right? If your if your heel gets one over on on the baby face, and usually the comeuppance or the return or the receipt, if you will, is either a match victory or an even greater embarrassment suffered by the heel at this point. And it's certainly not what's happened here. It certainly does look like Charlotte's being protected here. And that's the thing is aside from Becky Lynch, has anyone been treated like they're on her level, whether they deserve it or not, or whether they've earned it or not, somebody has to be treated as a legitimate threat and I can tell you this before we even get into the day one prediction, Charlotte's not even on the card. She doesn't have a defense lined up. And I don't even think they were going to go to Tony versus Charlotte at day one because they had wrapped it up on television, essentially. And maybe they would have circled back to it at Royal Rumble, but there's nobody. I, I mean... <laughs> I'm trying to say this without sounding like one of her promos, but there's legitimately nobody on her level, at least portrayed as such. Tony Storm should have been on her level, but it just it never came across that way. And if you don't know the history, you would have never known it. Yeah, and then you know that kind of match isn't on the card at day one, but yet you know we we have a, a random tag team match thrown onto the kickoff show to eat up some time. Um, that just came out of nowhere. So <laughs> who knows what WWE is up to these days? So yeah, uh, another, another female talent gone by the wayside and, you know, sure. This is slightly different because she, it, it was initiated by her, but it just further demonstrates how, you you have to you have to view WWE as if you're just watching a movie play out 
or a play or something. There's, there's no reason with the exception of the Roman Reigns storyline, which we were already pre-invested in because it started over a year ago. There's no reason to emotionally invest in anybody when they could be cut at any given time. And they've already demonstrated you could be in the middle of a storyline and you're gone. You could have just been called up and debuted on TV and you're gone within a month. So it's very difficult for me to watch WWE programming with anything other than a skeptical eye. I can't even enjoy it as a fan because I... I'm so detached from it. It's just, it's not fun anymore. Uh, I hear you. I'm, you know, I went through raw the night with the fast forward button. And I think I, I checked out the, the Liv Morgan versus Becky stuff. And that was really all I watched <laughs> on raw. That was just a few minutes of, you know, of a three hour show. Right. And, and even, Know how how we talk about SmackDown? We're we're going down the rabbit hole here, but we talk about being SmackDown being the, the, such a better show. But even now, um, I, I'm stopping to watch Ricochet and Roman Reigns and the Usos, and that's really about it. And it's it's sad that it's gotten to this point, but I mean it, it, that's what it is. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, oh, Royal Rumble. Uh, that's probably when Alexa Bliss will come back. But come back for what? Like, I can't, I can't get behind anything that they put out there because I know at any given moment it could be taken away for budget cuts or what have <laughs> you. So we'll we'll get to that in some of the predictions for 2022. But let's move on. Okay, switching gears, we're going to. Uh, I found an article from Bleacher Report. And it has bold predictions for AEW and WWE in 2022. And I thought we would go over it. So let's get, before we get into pay-per-view predictions, let's get into somebody else's predictions (laughs) for the wrestling top two promotions. We can arguably say. So this was written by Anthony Mango at Bleacher Report. So I'm going to go over each one. And as I read each one, I'll stop for Jared, your thoughts. And if I have any retorting thoughts, we'll do that. Otherwise, I'll move on to the next one. Sounds good. All right. So the first bold prediction for 2022, WWE will be up for sale. WWE released nearly half its roster in 2021 alone, as well and co- as well as countless other employees behind the scenes. The general reason for these decisions from the company has been classified as budget cuts with no other elaboration. Since WWE reports record profits every quarter, it has become increasingly more suspicious why costs have been trimmed over and over. Even at the expense of the on-screen product that is struggling in the ratings, knowing full well the morale is getting worse. WWE keeps doing it. 
There has to be a reason, and it's looking more and more as though the cause could be that WWE is gearing itself up for a sale. The higher WWE can inflate its numbers, the better the company looks on paper for any potential buyers, which will drive up the asking price. Most interested parties won't likely be avid viewers of the programming and will have no idea how bad it's been lately. They'll simply look at the business assets, the name recognition of WWE, and all the facts and figures before making their offers. In 2022, the boldest prediction of all would be that much like the random announcement of the Peacock deal for 2021, WWE will simply announce it has officially been in talks to sell, if not outright sold. Watch out for Comcast by by way of NBC Universal to be the most likely buyer, as it has had a long history with WWE via the USA Network and now with Peacock. I keep hearing this, and I, I don't, I don't know, dude. It's, I mean, I, I went on a bit of a rant a few episodes ago about the the business of budget cuts and and shareholder returns and stuff like that, but. I, I don't know. There, there's something about Vince McMahon, the person, and for a non-McMahon to own and run WWE, I think would be the equivalent of blasphemy. And I don't know how he lets it go. I And not have Shane slash Stephanie slash Hunter running the show. I, I just don't know how it doesn't that doesn't happen. Um, I know that that's just my, my insight into, into Vince's brain. I mean, there's obviously business behind it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how it, how there's a, a nomic man running that company though. Well, here's the thing. And I'm only going to speak to what I see on television. I know that just knowing what we know of Vince is that he would run this company until he croaks, but Lately on television, he does not look good at all. And this is after getting makeup for television. You can barely understand what he's saying on TV. And I don't know if that's by design or poor audio or whatever, but he's screaming old senile man to me when he comes across on television. That's more than just based on his decisions. I'm talking about physical presence. Uh, So maybe he's just done and doesn't know it yet. And maybe decisions are being made for him above him. I don't know, but nobody's ever refuted the sale rumors. No one's ever, uh, spoke to these rumors and that's the first thing that everybody because nobody can make sense of these roster releases when the whole budget thing doesn't line up and yes you explained it from a business perspective but a lot of people don't have that acumen and they just look at it as they're thin on the creative side and they're making it thinner by getting rid of good talent and basically feeding AEW talent. They say that NXT was supposed to be the developmental to get people ready for the main roster. Well, essentially what they've been doing is getting them ready for AEW. That's also another spin-off topic, but 
I just don't know anymore until it actually happens. And and I can see the parallel drawn to the WWE network, to the Peacock thing, because for the longest time we were like, well, maybe ESPN will buy it and it'll just become another offshoot of ESPN with their ESPN plus and, and their subscription service and all that. And then it, out of the blue, it went to Peacock, which, you know, has had its fair share of, um, growing pains shall we say so nothing would surprise me anymore to this point but it's also interesting that nobody's speaking to this other than media fed speculation yeah i, I think if i'm wwe and i hear this stuff i mean i, I don't think you can say anything right even like if you go out and say that it's not for sale then you might drive people away if it really is if you make that comment publicly or if it really is, they're not going to admit it. Right. So I think they're, if, if anything's going on, they're going to play it super close to the chest. Yeah. And like, like the article says, it'll just come out of nowhere or at least it'll appear that way. We've been talking since 2019. <laughs> All right. The next bold prediction for 2022, shockingly, even more releases. Speaking of those releases, every time a new group gets fired, fans are left wondering how WWE could possibly afford to lose even more wrestlers. The list of superstars gets whittled down more and more to the point where it's impossible for WWE to hold a Women's Royal Rumble in 2022 without depending heavily on NXT and bringing in outsiders. Still, somehow, it's probably going to continue. That's been the most consistent thing in 2021, a new set of releases every couple of weeks. Over 86 people were fired, averaging out to one and a half per week, even though they've been mostly announced in groups. Considering WWE fired people en masse on April 15th two years in a row, it's worth predicting the same day will be another set of releases. April 15th, 2022 could spell the end of a dozen or so careers with the company, sadly. Black Wednesday could be WWE's philosophy going forward well into the future, where everyone will be hoping for that WrestleMania payday and crossing their fingers that they aren't part of the annual spring cleaning that immediately follows. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt this happens, right? It, it's been it's been a thing for a while. Um I gotta wonder how how deep they can cut, right? They still have to put on a show, like you said. That the Royal Rumble hasn't been properly uh, rostered up for a little bit. Um, I, I do think, though, and maybe it's a it's a matter of cutting down on programming. I I don't know, um, but I, I think I think the roster up until now maybe has been a little bit bloated still, and. You know, from a from a, from a business perspective, I think all of this kind of makes sense. I, I don't wish anyone uh, to to lose their job or be out of work, but I think it's it's a it's a it's a business thing. I think B it's and this is their own fault. It's it's a creative thing. People aren't watching. Ratings are down. Advertising dollars are down. All that kind of stuff. Then you know they have to make changes, but. I think a lot of this can be can be corrected uh, internally. Now, you know they're they're letting all these people go. People are quitting. You know, and then now we're you know we get vignettes about this other East Indian star coming in, right? So, the, it seems the door is open for for new talent to come in. So it's not like 
you know, we're, we're stuck with what we've got and no one can be hired kind of thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how deep this goes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, they had a bloated roster. Yes. It's their own fault because they had the philosophy of let's sign people by hoarding them just so other companies couldn't have them. Even if they had no plans for them, they just wanted to have all the toys. Well, now they're going in the opposite direction of where they're giving toys away. And when I started before though, Josh, if, if I'm a, if I'm a shareholder and my stock price can go up by 10 cents by cutting bloat, then I'm going to want the company to do that. Right. If, if they're just holding on to talent for the sake of, well, I'm paying them. So something else can happen. That's, that's a blatant waste of money. Well, yeah. And, and some will argue, (laughs) some will argue that that's what uh, Nick Khan's job is, is he was brought in to start slashing cost. And, uh, if you're Nick Khan, you don't necessarily know the talent. You don't know the stories. You don't know any of the TV stuff. All you have is an Excel spreadsheet in front of you that has a whole bunch of dollars on it. And you've got to find ways to trim the fat, as the saying goes. Because from just a creative standpoint... It makes zero sense to be putting all this effort into somebody via vignettes or repackaging or push or anything. And then out of the blue, apparently, they're just gone. I can see if you cut all the folks that hang out at catering week in and week out and can't get on TV to save their lives. That makes sense. But none of these releases stick to any rhyme or reason and a lot of it makes absolutely zero sense. You have your Carrion Crosses, your Keith Lees, your Bray Wyatts, the top merch mover, the guy that makes you money, was expendable. Now, sure, again, without going down the rabbit hole, there are other circumstances surrounding Bray's departure, but I'm just talking about on the surface to the common fan who sees these things and wonders why now again, not advocating for anybody to lose their job, but it's interesting to me other than salary, which we're not privy to how people who are on TV can be cut at the supposed drop of a hat. But somebody like Elias who had literal vignettes, killing off his character and yet he's still employed, but he hasn't been seen in months. How has Elias survived these quote unquote budget cuts when obviously creative has nothing for him? It was even recently reported that they had no plans beyond those vignettes. There weren't, there wasn't a who killed Elias storyline. There wasn't anything beyond those um, vignettes with the grave site that said, here lies Elias. They only did that because they wanted to kill off the gimmick and they did. And then that, that was the plan. They had nothing beyond that. So 
it's things like that that are frustrating fans because they have no plan, they don't think long term, and yet, again, not trying to get Elias fired, it's guys like him or people in his similar situation are still employed, but then they're going to cut people who are in the middle of a character repackaging or a middle of a push or in the case of uh, um, Hit Row, they were just brought up to SmackDown. And within two weeks, they lost one of their members. And in, in another week, they lost the rest of the members. It, it's it's asinine the way they're doing this. Yeah, I, I would like to. I mean, I, I don't have an explanation for you, Josh, but I, I would like to think that, you know, Nikon isn't just sitting there looking at a spreadsheet going, oh, there's. There's a million dollars I can cut. There's another million dollars. I would like to hope that, you know, that he's, he's talking to folks like Bruce Pritchard and he's talking to, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the, the, the main agent for the women. Um, the guy you always see them talking to in total divas. Um, what the heck is his name? Were you talking about Mark Carano? Mark Carano. Yeah. yeah he doesn't even work there anymore. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> He he was the he was the scapegoat for sending uh, women's belongings to them in trash bags, the whole Mickey James okay. incident. Uh, so he was the scapegoat and fired for that. Well, good. let's say his replacement then, or whoever took over his role. Like, okay, I want to get rid of Person X. Okay, well, you know what? I, I need Person X for another six weeks. You know, then go ahead, take them after that. I, I would like to think that stuff should and would go on right because like like you said why why bother you know why would a fan bother in getting invested in that person just to have them getting yanked out in the middle of you know in the middle of a storyline in the middle of a big angle tony storm up and quit i mean i, I don't think that was a you know we, as we just discussed that wasn't a cut but there's some that have been and i would like to think that the left hand is talking to the right hand but maybe they aren't it certainly doesn't seem that way and, and that's the thing <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying not to to go off the rails here but i mean it's all related and and that's the sad thing the one storyline that we are interested in is roman reigns and the bloodline the whole point of this story is to eventually get a baby face over enough that they are believable, credible, and clamored for to take the Universal title from Roman Reigns. And the subsequent fallout is, is they get all that rub from defeating Roman Reigns. Almost every single person that's not named Brock Lesnar that we have suggested in that role has been let go. <laughs> so now what? And they're running out of time to build somebody. Sure, you could do it on the road to WrestleMania. Are they? Probably not. Are they going to gender Mahal us a champion? Like oh, they're going to pluck him from obscurity and all of a sudden have a win, have them win a number one contenders match and then beat Roman at whatever pay per view follows WrestleMania? Probably. Is it going to be any good? Not likely. That's where we are with WWE. We have zero faith that they will get it right. It's almost like mo most of my Chicago teams 
that if they're going to be looking for new management or coaching or whatever, do we expect them to get it right? No, there's no history showing that they will. It, that, that's where I'm at with WWE. Yeah. And, and, you know, regarding Roman specifically, you're talking about predictions for, for 2022 is what, what is that plan? Because, you know, first we heard, well, he was going to fight the rock at WrestleMania, wrestle the rock at WrestleMania. No, that's probably not going to happen. Maybe the year after that. So does he keep his belt until then? I don't know. Rock doesn't need to beat him. Brock Lesnar doesn't need to beat him. The new rumor is, um, you know, uh, we won't get into the, the details. Of, we'll, we'll talk about that in our, in our day one predictions. But the match happening here and then a rematch happening at, at WrestleMania based on what happens here on New Year's Day. Um, so even that is ever-changing just a few months away. This is your world title, your universal championship. This is, uh, this is the biggest guy in the company, and then they, they don't know what they're doing. Plans are written in pencil. All right. And on Ken. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next prediction. Otherwise, this will be a WWE-centric show. Uh, The next bold prediction for 2022. Tony Khan will drop some wrestlers, but hire many more. A good number of AEW stars signed three-year contracts when the company started in 2019, meaning they will be up for renewal or departures at various points this coming year. Lance Archer is among the first with his deal up in February. Joey Janela's deal expires in May. Tony Khan is nowhere near as trigger-happy to fire people as Vince McMahon has been. While WWE let go nearly 100 wrestlers alone, AEW only saw one true member of the roster leave in 2021, Big Swole. There have been other departures previously, but Awesome Kong was already more of a coach, Ivalice wasn't a regular performer, and Shauna was barely there. However, Khan may look at someone like Jack Evans and think he's not proved himself worth the investment to continue. People like Sonny Kiss and Peter Avalon, who have become less featured in recent months, may not be safe. Likewise, Khan knows that there are some major players up for the taking now and in coming months. Free agents from WWE like Johnny Gargano and Bray Wyatt, plus potentially more who are released or leave in 2022. And wrestlers from the now on hiatus or possibly defunct Ring of Honor could be in his sights. It stands within reason that Khan would let go more of the AEW roster in 2022 than ever before in order to make room for signing others whom he feels will bring more to the table. Yeah, I, I would agree here that there, there's going to be a, a great calling in AEW in, in 2022. There are lots of folks, some of those you just mentioned, that really don't do a lot on TV and, and they're just taking up spots and, and salary. So I, I would think that those folks pretty much have to go. Like if they're looking at bringing in folks like Gargano and Bray Wyatt and maybe Mike and Maria, um, there, there are some big names out there that they would need to make room for one B give adequate TV time to right in order to showcase and get value out of their name and their investment and their salary. Yeah, I, I think they, they'd have to make room for these guys. And like I said, they've only got they've got what half the programming the WWE does and are, are obtaining talent left, right, and center. 
I, I think there's going to be a, a large calling in AEW in well throughout 2022. Um, it may not be the tune of 100 wrestlers, but I would think there's going to be a chunk. There's going to be a large chunk that goes. And unfortunately, based on the TV time, a lot of them won't be missed or, you know, relatively won't be missed unless you're a hardcore fan of theirs because they have not been on television or featured and they will quietly go into the night and you won't know the difference. Okay, next prediction. WWE will get rid of the cruiserweight division and rename 205 Live. Joe Gacy's short feud with Roderick Strong for NXT War Games called attention to something that has been a long time coming, which is the dismantling of the cruiserweight division. McMahon has never had much patience for tag team wrestling, but he's clearly had even less of an admiration for the cruiserweight division. At least the tag teams have always stayed active, even if they're only to have been a handful of teams available. By contrast, the light heavyweight championship and subsequent cruiserweight championship came in as focal points but quickly turned into afterthoughts. Eventually, Hornswoggle was the last champion before the light heavyweight championship was retired. The same pattern is repeating itself. With the cruiserweight classic and a new title lineage, the modern-day WWE cruiserweight championship started off with a bang. 205 Live was a show dedicated entirely to that division. The cruiserweights soon found themselves on Raw, then no longer appearing on pay-per-views, followed by being rechristened as part of the NXT brand. Now, 205 Live hasn't been live for months and stopped featuring wrestlers under 205 pounds. It's just an extra show for random NXT talent, much in the same vein as Main Event is for Monday Night Raw. Gacy called for the end of the weight limit, gender specificity, and for the name 205 Live to be changed. While he didn't win the title at War Games, Roderick Strong lifted the weight limit for his title anyway. Now Strong is set to face NXT North American champion Carmelo Hayes at New Year's Evil for a title unification which indicates the endgame. Not only will the Cruiserweight title be tossed aside when Hayes likely wins, but a follow-up will be WWE renaming 205 Live to something like NXT Evolve or something similar to officially kill the division. That actually makes sense to me, and I, I would probably agree that something along those lines is going to happen. They, they've not been promoting those folks for um, for quite a long time, and, and those folks that are still around, um, if they're not on NXT, they are generally part of the roving band of 24-7 hardcore folks that are on TV for 30 seconds each week, running around in a pack chasing whoever has a title at that point. Uh, that's not good use out of any of them. And I would rather see them uh, using it in a different fashion than, than isolated to to just the 205. So uh, I'd, see, I'd see do it. Yeah, although... If they were going to kill a title, I really wish it would be the 24-7 nonsense. But, you know, when you've released most of your cruiserweights to begin with, and uh, if you're not going to rename the cruiserweight title into something else, you might as well absorb it into the North American title, which also is pretty much meaningless. But uh, that's an NXT rant for another day. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean... 
it is what it is. Do what you will with it. Um, nobody watches 205 Live just like nobody watches main event. So there you go. Right. Okay, next prediction. AEW will introduce trios titles. A trios championship has been teased since essentially the start of AEW, but nothing has come about it quite yet. 2022 is the year, though, after the TBS championship has had some time in the spotlight and is properly settled in, AEW will announce a tournament to crown the inaugural champions. For an added prediction, the finale will take place in the summer at one of the special television episodes of Dynamite, Fighter Fest, or Fight for the Fallen. The first champions could be Super Click, or Adam Cole with Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Could be Jurassic Express, Death Triangle, or Best Friends. I wouldn't doubt that would that would happen. Like I said, it's been talked about for quite a while. Are they actually going to pull the trigger? Maybe. Maybe we're going to see more programming to, to handle the, these rosters in 22. I have no idea. That's just pure wild speculation. Um, as far as the, the trios, I think that'd be a, that'd be a really good idea. Like if you think of some of those folks that um, aren't. Well, I don't want to say aren't used correctly, but be able to bring a little bit more attention to them. Like I think Jurassic Jurassic Express is featured, but they're still kind of uh, still kind of directionless. And folks like that, I think would would I think would benefit from this. So I hope it's something that they would do. It's one of those things that they've had in existence since the beginning even before building of all these factions that AEW seems to be glut with, they've always had trios. And if it's yeah. not a full on faction, it's a trio. And so the ones that they named are just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there are so many, um, even Kyle O'Reilly mentioned, uh, in a promo this week on dynamite that in order to succeed in AEW, you need to be part of a faction. So, um, as a little tongue in cheek, you know, side comment, but it's true. I mean, it's the way the, the roster has been laid out. And as far as television programming, you know, I want to say, and this is what I thought Rampage was going to be, but I guess it's it's kind of not. They could benefit, I think, from a show similar to what WWE was trying with Shotgun Saturday Night, if you remember that from the 90s. Oh, man. I think it was the 90s anyway. Could have been the early 2000s. But Shotgun Saturday Night was a show that started at 10 o'clock Central Time on a Saturday night. It was supposed to be underground and grungy, similar to what uh, the Black and Gold NXT ended up being. But it was supposed to be risque and, you know, edgy and all these things. And and essentially, that's kind of what Dynamite is now. You can't watch a Dynamite without the S-word being thrown around or bitch or whatever. So... They've got that already covered, but I think if they were going to introduce another show, it would definitely benefit from being one hour. It needs to be maybe kind of obscure, kind of like in a Saturday night slot. Uh, they've already got primetime covered. They've already got post SmackDown covered. They just need something that's not YouTube 
based because the two YouTube shows are essentially their developmental uh, stuff. It's where superstars squash young up and comers or people that haven't been featured or even people who don't get on dynamite or rampage. Maybe they get their wins on dark or dark elevation. But I think if they're going to introduce another show, it should be another show that's based on based within television and also helps to move characters and storylines forward. Kind of like something in between dynamite and rampage and the two YouTube shows, something in the middle, perhaps. That's an interesting idea. And I think, I think it would work actually like you have, it's, it's almost like a hierarchy of TV shows, right? You have, you know, dynamite rampage, dark and whatever this show would be you can kind of have your uh your quote-unquote class of wrestler like your your stars and your featured people the ones that you want to push the ones you want to get on tv you know on, on dynamite <clears throat> you know rampage is like the next tier of those folks that are trying to bust their way through uh you know and so on down the line and i think if you did kind of that that grungier fight up from the bottom kind of thing that that just might work and get some more people on tv if only there was a sport that had a similar model in place that they could emulate something like a like an a level and then a double a level and maybe a triple <laughs> a level before you get to the main show there was only something like that <laughs> all right damn you your logic <laughs> All right, next prediction. Adam Cole will split from the elite. Nothing lasts forever, including professional wrestling factions. Even the best of the best, like D-Generation X and the Four Horsemen, break up. The elite had a powerful year in 2021 with the Young Bucks capturing the AEW World Tag Team Championships and Kenny Omega reigning supreme as AEW World Champion for many months. The group was at its largest so far, too, with the Good Brothers making appearances, Don Callis, Brandon Cutler, and Michael Nakazawa backing everyone up, and Adam Cole joining his friends while bringing Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly in as associates by proxy. If Roderick Strong somehow joins AEW and aligns himself with his former Undisputed Era brethren, the Elite will be too big to sustain itself for the long term, much in the way the NWO had to split in WCW. It makes the most sense for Cole to be the leader of the offshoot with O'Reilly and Fish, with or without Strong, by his side to contend with Omega and the Young Bucks. In 2022, it will be too hard to find groups that can contend with something as large and numerous as the elite, so AEW will have to break it in half. This is pretty much guaranteed it's happening already, or at least they're teasing it already. Right when you just saw you know, uh, the other two-thirds of Undisputed Era show up and join forces with Adam Cole, um, that, that split's happening. They brought the Young Bucks out to go, WTF, what's going on? Um, so they're going to develop that. It's yeah, definitely going to happen. It needs to happen. That that group is way too big. Yeah, and by proxy, this will turn the Bucks and Kenny face, which is how they started off in AEW. Which uh, I think this will just be a better version of themselves. It, it won't be the it won't be the same. It'll be a reinvention of themselves, but at the same time, uh, they'll have to fend off the artists formerly known as UE. 
So yes, as stated, it's already in the process. It's already in the works. It's not really a bold prediction when it's already in progress, but take nothing away from the author of this article. Uh, next prediction, Dominic Mysterio will turn heel on his father and unmask him. Several months back, Dominic and Rey Mysterio were doing well together. They captured the SmackDown Tag Team Championships and were having the time of their lives. The past few months, though, have been a bumpier ride. While it hasn't been as much of a focal point lately, there were several weeks where Dominic continued to lose or cost his father a victory leading to arguments. Dominic felt his dad was smothering him while Ray argued he was just teaching and Dominic wasn't listening. This will eventually rear its ugly head once more and it will lead to their downfall in 2022. At some point this year, Dominic will turn heel on his father and start a feud with him. During that feud, he'll unmask Ray as the ultimate sign of disrespect. This could even lead to Dominic wearing the mask or a variation of it to mock his father, or that can come about later on after they resolve their issues. I think this one's pretty much guaranteed to happen as well. We thought it was going to happen already, you know, in, in the fall of this year. So I think it's pretty much guaranteed to happen in 2022. It needs to happen. How many times did we predict it in 2021? Yeah. <laughs> so three paper in a row. Yeah. This is the pay-per-view. No, no, this is the pay-per-view. Okay. No, this is the pay-per-view. They wouldn't do it on Father's Day, would it? No, this is the pay-per-view. Oh. On Father's Day turn would have, would have been amazing. <laughs> right. Maybe Father's Day twenty twenty two. Who knows? Actually it well, maybe I don't know if there's a paper I think the pay-per-view in June is the week before, but either way. I'll, I'll make a I'll make a prediction here now. As Dominic eliminates Ray from the Royal Rumble, there you go. And then you know, Dominic will be future endeavored, and <laughs> we'll never get the conclusion. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? My bad. Okay, next prediction: Elimination Chamber will take place in Saudi Arabia. WWE previously ran commercials teasing the next upcoming pay-per-view featuring day one Royal. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me start that again. Missed a keyword there. Mm-hmm. WWE previously ran commercials teasing the next upcoming pay-per-views featuring day one Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and WrestleMania 38. Since then, nothing has happened to confirm the presence of Elimination Chamber. The current lineup of pay-per-views has lots of unnamed events, but they're all given dates and venues, such as the May 8th show at Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. As it stands, nothing nothing is announced for February or March. That's suspicious, as that's traditionally where Elimination Chamber is placed to either act as a way to crown a new number one contender, or for the champions to go through a gauntlet to test their merit before defending their titles at the grandest stage of them all. There is a strong chance this February or March event was taking off the calendar because it will be replaced by another Saudi Arabia show. Likely the return of Super Showdown. Every one of those pay-per-views has been shrouded in some mystery until just before the event, sometimes with the date and venue not being advertised until days away. Considering every Saudi show has had some sort of gimmick attached to it, Greatest Royal Rumble, World Cup, King of the Ring, and Queen's Crown Tournaments, etc., WWE may hold the Elimination Chamber there to make it an even bigger spectacle. I would say certainly possible. 
if we went back to um, was it the, the last show in in Riyadh in the fall, that almost felt like WrestleMania. It was so big and so well done. Um, to, for them to take over Elimination Chamber, yeah, that it seems like that's certainly doable. I hate this prediction only for the fact that I was looking forward to no pay-per-views between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania and just strong storytelling on WWE TV. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I was just going to say, Josh, are you feeling okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's that word strong that, and storytelling that just makes the whole thing false. <laughs> wow. I, I was going to go even further and just say storytelling, but... Yeah. Okay, wrapping this up with miscellaneous smaller predictions. Rounding out the list are some smaller predictions that are worth a quick honorable mention. Seth Rollins will turn babyface later in the year to be one of the bigger rivals for Roman Reigns. Goldberg will be fed to Reigns too. It may happen at Elimination Chamber or later in the year after WrestleMania, but the Tribal Chief will have his previously scheduled match with Goldberg in 2022. Despite being opposite heel and face, finally, Bobby Lashley still won't get his desired match with Brock Lesnar. Neither will Riddle get a match with Lesnar or Goldberg. He will, however, face Randy Orton at WrestleMania 38 after RK-Bro drops the Raw Tag Team Championships somewhere around February. Braun Breaker will not only win the NXT Championship at New Year's Evil, but he'll also be rushed up to the main roster sooner rather than later. WWE will be impatient, and he'll be on Raw or SmackDown by SummerSlam. Well, that last one I don't, I don't care too much about. Um, I It was funny that the the Roman and Seth one was was mentioned. I I would love to see that. I would love to see the the former Shield members going at it. I actually would think though that the way TV's been going lately, I think Roman might still be the baby face in that feud. I think Roman's turning face probably by WrestleMania. And that should have also been the offshoot of transitioning the title to someone else. That should have been part of the story. And, you know, obviously you can turn anybody any way you want, but it's very hard for me currently to see Seth Rollins as anything but the smarmy heel that he is. (laughs) Well, and and the thing with, yeah, I 100% agree with that. He's, yeah, he's too, still too dastardly and too almost maniacal to, to see as a baby face now, but if you've been watching SmackDown in, in pay-per-view the last month and a half, two months, rather than having Roman drilled down our throats as a top baby face, this is it's finally happening organically, right? The cheers are getting bigger and bigger every week. And I think there's going to be a point where they just going to have no choice, but the bloodline will be baby faces in early 2022. Well, much like this whole run has been organic, and that's why it's working. (gasps) Shock. Horror. Who knew? (laughs) You mean something that wasn't shoved down our throats is actually working the way it's supposed to be? (sighs) All right. Enough of that soapbox. (laughs) 
Well, it'll be interesting to see if any of these predictions come true. Obviously, some are more likely than others. Uh, we will have to see. And that is the beauty of predicting. And speaking of predicting, we are kicking things off proper for 2022 with our first official pay-per-view predictions, which will go up on the brand new sparkling clean scoreboard. My lead is vanquished only by time, not by either one of you. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> shots oh, fired. Yeah. Pew, pew. No kidding. <laughs> um, I'm fully, I'm fully relegating myself to last place this year. Cause God only knows what WWE is going to do. And the only shows that make sense are AEW shows. So I'm fully prepared to go down in flames after this Saturday. So let's kick things off with our 2022 day one predictions. We have actually a kickoff show match announced before we got to the weekend. Are you excited? I'm excited because there's a certain someone in the match. (laughs) In what seems to be a tradition, the kickoff show match makes absolutely zero sense, or (laughs) it kind of sort of does in a 3% kind of way if you follow television. So it's a tag team match of Ricochet and Cesaro taking on Sheamus and Ridge Holland. Jarrett. Since you're the only other live one here, I'm going to let you go first. All right. Well, first off, I, I'm going to toss out a 2022, 2022 prediction that I forgot to toss out previously in that Ricochet, who's in this match, is going to win the IC title this year, the first half of the year. So you can take that one to the bank. And second of all, Ricochet and Cesaro winning this match. So you're going to go with the theory of the baby face or baby faces in this case winning the match to get people excited to buy the show yes if you want to apply some logic to wwe programming then yes (laughs) well seth has agreed with you and he is also picking ricochet and cesaro and i am going in the opposite direction because of the other side of the coin of WWE logic. And that's going with the side that has more, I don't want to say momentum, but has more storyline or TV purpose moving forward. And to me, that's Seamus and Ridge Holland, whether it's forging their relationship or I I have a feeling they're telling more of Seamus's story uh, with Ridge as his sidekick versus what seems to be a haphazardly slapped together team of two baby faces that are on the periphery of this storyline. So I'm going with Seamus and Ridge Holland. And Josh will start the year own one. <laughs> well, it just depends on which side of the coin they fall on. <laughs> okay. Main pay-per-view, or as we like to say, Day one proper. We have a match that, um, 
I don't know if it's anybody's dream match. It's certainly a fresh matchup. And the key element is going to be, is this a one and done? Or are we going to stretch this out to maybe just before WrestleMania? I don't know. But we'll have to see because the start of the the, uh, thrill ride, I guess, is Saturday. So we have Edge versus The Miz. This is a weird one. Um, Just based on, I I think it was just this past Raw where... um, well, two weeks ago, sorry, Miz and Edge were having an altercation in the ring. Edge goes to attack Miz. Miz pulls out Maurice in front of him, does a dastardly deed. And then this past week, you know, they kind of feign a fight, but use that to kind of beat up Edge. I'm just going with, well, the tried and true WWE logic, uh, quote, unquote, that since... Edge got attacked and beat down on the last show that he's going to win at the pay-per-view. So uh, I'm going with Edge. I'm going to intervene here only because your dates are a little off. And if you're going to use that logic, you might have to flip your pick. Well, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) So so I will be generous since all of our scores are zero at this point. I will help you out. The uh, uh, near miss of the spear was three weeks ago. The second part of what you had stated was two weeks ago, and this past Monday on Raw was the renewal of the vows between Miz and Maurice, and Edge came out and interrupted and got the upper hand because he doused them in what is now in the PG world known as a brood bath as opposed to a blood bath. So they were all wearing white, including Eric Bischoff serving as the um, officiant. Uh, Eric and Miz were both in white suits, and Maurice obviously was in a white wedding dress, which uh, if you know, never mind, I won't go down that road. Anyway, um, so everybody was in white. The black goo dropped from the ceiling, and Edge got the last... uh, image so to speak so we got one over on the miz so um, if you're gonna go by that logic then you might want to flip your pick or i could just give you the facts and you could stick with your pick i'm leaving it up to you oh man I'm, i missed a week and it's now it's thrown a giant wrench into things thank you josh well like i said it's also if you believe this is a one and done or if you believe this is the start of a micro mini feud or whatever yeah, uh, this very well could be a thing where, you know, that they, they do, they do three matches or something leading up to WrestleMania or something. I, I don't know. Um, okay. Well, I'm gonna. Well, first of all, okay. So thanks for straightening me out and giving me the opportunity to think about it. I am gonna flip my pick. I'm gonna go with the Miz. Okay. Well, Seth has picked Edge, and I am going to agree with. Jarrett, I will also go with The Miz because I do think this is not a one and done. I think because of Maurice's involvement and I think with Beth Phoenix leaving NXT, uh, granted she gave the reasoning of wanting to spend more time with her family, but whether it's at the Rumble, whether it's uh, at the February pay-per-view, which I kind of doubt, if especially if it's going to be in Saudi, um, 
or it could even be at WrestleMania if they have nothing better for Edge to do. Uh, we could see Edge and Beth versus Miz and Maurice. Uh, I don't know if that's WrestleMania worthy, so to speak. We kind of did that already with Miz and Maurice versus Cena and Nikki Bella and all the garbage that followed that storyline around. But it would not shock me either. But in order to get there, as Seth would say, you need the heel to win the first one. So I'm going with The Miz also. Now we have a match that could have been the kickoff show match. Could have just been on SmackDown. Hell, it could have been on main event and I wouldn't have cared. Why this is getting pay-per-view positioning, I have no idea. But it's Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss. Yeah, for me, this is going to be the uh, go get a sandwich or refresh the drink match. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It could be just that they're going to, you know, Drew's going to go through Moss and then get to Corbin. Yeah, uh, this should be nothing more than a squash, a squash match. Um, yeah, I guess there's always the opportunity that, that Corbin interferes and costs Drew the match, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think that Drew's going to win this match. Seth has predicted Drew McIntyre as well, and I will complete the trifecta. There's no reason for Madcap Moss to win. There's no reason for him even to be on this pay-per-view. <laughs> I wouldn't have even... I would have the same opinion if it was Drew versus Happy Corbin, because yeah. I don't like Happy Corbin, and I don't like Madcap Moss, and I don't like their whole shtick. It does not entertain me one iota. Uh, I think this is just a match to get Drew another pay-per-view win. And if they're grooming him for Roman at the Rumble or sometime down the road, um, you can build him up. But this is not the person I would have picked to uh, dethrone Roman. Now, had he not won the WWE title last year, then I'd be more willing to um, get behind it. But... At this point, I'd rather see almost anybody else. So uh, at this point, he's just fodder for the tribal chief at this point, as far as I'm concerned. But in order to get there and have a story, you got to not have him lose to Madcap Moss. Next, for the SmackDown Tag Team titles, the Usos defend against the New Day. I I had a big problem trying to pick a winner here and i ultimately ultimately decided that you know, th- this is probably a good spot for actually the usos to get beat now <clears throat> if you go back i think it was i think it was just a week on smackdown you have roman talking about how he hates it when his cousins lose but i think based on what i think is going to happen later in the show then I think the Usos have have to win here to support later. So I'm going to choose the Usos to retain the titles. Seth has also selected the Usos. I'm going a slightly different route, but not 100%. Following the logic that you've laid out, Jarrett, where Roman has on a couple of occasions stated his displeasure for when his cousins lose. I think there's, since they've fallen off on 
layers to this story. I think they need to pick at this thread a little more until they can come up with the next layer. Granted, you you um, concurrently have the Paul Heyman layer that they're still working on, but I think there's more life to this storyline. But at the same time, I think that they for the optic, I think they need to have the belts. Um, you have all this merch with the picture of all the belts and the money and all that stuff. So I think for the optic, they have to keep the belts. But for the story layer, I think they have to lose, even though it makes them look bad. I think there's more to that in the Roman connection of the storyline. So my official prediction is New Day to win by DQ or Countout, thus keeping the belts on the Usos. So you, you'll notice that I did say Usos to retain, yes? Right, which is essentially the same pick. Yeah. Just, just making that clear. Yeah, and I'm typing it in there. It's documented. <laughs> now, Seth just said the Usos, so I'm going by what he said. So if the New Day win by DQ or Countout, no points. For the Raw Tag Team titles, RK-Bro take on the Street Profits. Is this the beginning of any chinks in the armor for the champs? I was thinking about that. I wonder, is is this the time where the team falls apart? And from from what I've gathered, I've picked up a little bit of it on TV, not a, not a lot. There's been a lot of, a lot of happy moments with you know you know um um jesus not randy oh god uh bro what's his name riddle <laughs> not riddle oh my god why couldn't i think of his name um you know him doing things like going out there and, and, and final just impersonating randy and doing all his moves and wrestling has him with randy cheering on cheering him on was kind of cool they have kind of teased some bits in the past and recently as well, but I don't think that this is the, the full on implosion. I think that, I think, like you said, the, the chinks in the armor are going to show up here and this will be the beginning of the end, but I, don't, I do not think this is where they lose the titles. So I think they are going to actually win this match and retain the titles. Seth picks RK bro. And my prediction is RK bro to retain. It's obvious they're going to split. And Randy even teased again, hitting an RKO on Riddle this week on Raw. And in the end, they hugged it out anyway. But the better story, and this is why it won't happen, because it's the better story. And it's, <laughs> it's not the lazy way out. And WWE tends to take the lazy way out. The lazy way out is Randy turns on Riddle. And Riddle stays the babyface, Randy turns heel, and goes back to his Viper ways. That's the lazy way out. The original and creative way out is for Riddle to just snap. And stop being his jovial self, and his weed jokes, and his getting high, and all this other stuff. The guy's got an MMA background, for Christ's sake. (laughs) <laughs> he should be the one that's fed up with Randy not always being on the same page with him and Riddle having to pull teeth and twist arms to get him to do anything. 
and it should be Riddle that snaps and turns heel on Randy before Randy can do it to him. That's the better story. And that's exactly why it won't happen. So does anything happen here day one? Eh, probably not. It's it's more of something that's told on TV because they're the one thing that Raw has consistently done right in the past 12 months. Um, and it hasn't even been a thing for all 12 months because obviously Randy in the first three months was embroiled, <laughs> broiled in the feud with Bray Wyatt. Um, (laughs) char broiled Um, but (laughs) but obviously that went nowhere and it gave birth to the tag team of RK bro so anyway like I said the better story is for Riddle to turn the lazy story is for Randy to turn you figure out which one WWE is going to do I I like your version better I agree it's not going to happen though yeah Okay, moving on. Intercontinental title match. Shinsuke Nakamura defends against Sami Zayn. So this one I had to think about for a while, too. And as I was reading throughout the day and getting my my fill of wrestling news, everybody talks about this show and how some big things are going to happen and some big moments are coming up. I thought, is this one of them? So Nakamura has been the champ for quite a while. Sami Zayn has actually pulled off a couple of big wins recently. Um, he just won the, uh, the gauntlet match on, on SmackDown uh, last week cleanly. Right. And this is a week after a week or two weeks after showing up in both a neck brace and a, and a walking boot after getting uh F5 a couple times by Brock and speared by Roman. And he's come up with a couple of big wins. And I'm wondering if this is this is Sami Zayn's moment. And I'm going to lean towards yes. And that we're going to have a new IC champion. Okay, so Seth says that Shinsuke Nakamura wins. And I too kind of hemmed and hawed on picking a winner for this. Because... Shinsuke has had the belt for a while, several months, but much to the norm, creative hasn't really done anything to accentuate his title reign with the exception of pairing him with Rick Boogs. So he's entertaining, but can you name me a title defense that's been, oh my God, that was so great off the top of your head since he's been champion this go around? I I think you said the key thing, Josh, is that he's he's been kept going because of his partnership with Rick Boogs. Yeah. Right? Rick Rick's the entertaining one. And they certainly could go the the, the more than one match route here. Perhaps Sammy cheats to win and there's a rematch, perhaps, but yeah, I I just think that, well, I mean, you've got your own prediction to make. I, I think that it's, uh, they, they're going to kind of do the strike while the iron's hot with, with Sami Zayn. Yeah. Now, the other factor to consider is that reports have that Sami Zayn has also re-signed with WWE. It's not been confirmed. It's just reports. Now, 
could that have included a championship run for him? Obviously, the two top titles are tied up. He's already been Intercontinental Champion. But I don't think that's the road that's going to be followed here. I do, however, think that's the road followed in a match that we'll get to in just a little bit. But I'm picking Shinsuke Nakamura to retain. I think it's going to be a hell of a match. Will it top what they did in NXT Dallas all those years ago? Mm, Probably not, because in that match, they were allowed to do whatever the hell they wanted. In this match, probably not. Um, I just... To me, Shinsuke to Sammy, even though it's two different characters and two different directions, it just seems like a lateral move to me to to move it from Nock to Zane. So somebody else has got to come up in this intercontinental picture. Please do not make that happy Corbin. But um I don't I don't sense that it's coming here. It could but that's not what my prediction is going to be. So my prediction is Nakamura to retain. Yeah. And I was just thinking too, as you were talking, is there someone else? Well, I, I just mentioned someone before we go into here and they just had a kind of a barn burner at the end of that gauntlet match. And Ricochet versus Sammy, Sammy Zane down the road could be a hell of a match. That, that Irishman, Rick O'Shea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe, perhaps, Nakamura versus Ricochet. Now, that would be something. Indeed. As long as they, you know, took the shackles off and pretend you're in NXT gold and, or black and gold and just go crazy. <laughs> but back to reality. For the Raw women's title, big-time Bex, Becky Lynch, defends against Liv Morgan in, an, in another rematch. And, and this is also where I thought is something big going to happen. And I thought about it for a while. And if you listen to our last wrestling episode, I talked about how Liv Morgan earned her spot through Survivor Series and she was intense and promoted well and, and just showed and she got over. Right. <clears throat> and then she showed up, I think it was last, no, no, last week. Maybe it was last week. And cut a very terrible promo. And and that kind of sealed it like she is just she's just not ready to be champion yet. Not at not at the level of Becky Lynch, not at the level of Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks. As much as I'm a fan of hers and I've appreciated I, I named her my breakthrough wrestler of twenty twenty one. as as much as I dig what she's doing right now, I just don't think she's ready to be the flag bearer. So I'm going to say Becky Lynch retains. Seth agrees with you and has picked big time Bex. And for all the points that you have stated, and I, I don't think it's really Liv's fault about the promos. I just don't think she's had the experience. Um, even in Riot Squad, she was never the talker. It was uh, Ruby. As much as both women's champions are crying out to be defeated to elevate somebody. They just haven't gotten behind anybody. Liv is probably the closest 
but it just feels like they're waiting around for Bailey to come back. Oh God. And for, I don't know, maybe Lacey Evans. Cause that was their pet project before. I don't know. They just don't seem to be behind anybody else. Uh, which is both confusing and frustrating at the same time. So for as much as I would love to see Liv Morgan win this, and if this were any other pay-per-view, maybe I would pick Liv Morgan. I don't see it happening on what to me is a throwaway show. I'm going to, well, and that's kind of contradictory to what I'm going to say in the next match, but be that as it may, I'm going to pick big time Bex to retain. It's not Liv's time here. I don't think she's going to be anywhere near the title picture come mania. And that's unfortunate, but that's just how I see it happening. Fair enough. For the WWE title in a fatal four-way match where the champion does not need to be pinned or submitted to lose the title, Big E defends against Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Bobby Lashley. Yeah, this this style of match, and given who all is involved, this is screaming that this is an opportunity for someone to step up and, and win the WWE title. Now, because of my disdain for Monday Night Raw, I've not been following this very closely. Uh, it has seemed that this has been put together because somebody wants a shot and somebody else goes, well, no, I want my shot. And the third guy goes, I want my shot. And they all get stuck together in a match. For for that, uh, I'm going to go with Biggie to retain his title. Well, you're partially right. That is kind of how it got thrown together. Um, they, on paper, this looks like a babyface champion taking on three heel challengers. Uh, Kevin Owens is kind of sort of a tweener, not really, but sort of kind of leaning in that direction. Seth Rollins, obviously smarmy heel, as we've stated. Bobby Lashley appears to be in the middle of a face turn based on the reactions he's getting also. Plus, it just seems to be that's where the natural direction of the character is going. In that regard, Seth has also picked Big E to win. But I'm going in a different direction. And this is the prediction that I kind of alluded to in our year-end awards episode, where I said that uh, I'm going to be coming out of left field for something that may or may not shoot me down in flames here. But one of these four just re-upped with the company. And one of these four had a previous universal title reign and WWE did them dirty by having them destroyed by Goldberg. They were also done dirty at WrestleMania that year when they should have been the main event and they went on match number two. So while I'm not saying that this person negotiated a title run, 
it's certainly plausible that it happened. And for those reasons, and for the fact that Biggie does not even have to factor into the decision, I'm picking Kevin Owens to win the WWE title. And I'm going to, well, I don't even have to say by, you know, I was going to detail that has to win the title, but in a fatal four way, you can't really win by DQ or anything like that. It would just be a title retention due to no contest or whatever, but I'm definitely going with Kevin Owens to win the WWE title. And if that happens, then I get to completely turn off raw. (laughs) I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were going to say, if that happens, I'm giving up on predictions. (laughs) (laughs) Which I would have retorted with, hey, anything can happen and you never know. You get all your rumble points for all we know. (laughs) Although I will preview the rumble predictions show by saying that will be nearly impossible to get correct. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) And in what will most likely be the main event for the Universal title... The reigning, defending, undisputed Universal Champion, the head of the table, the Tribal Chief, the Needle Mover, Roman Reigns, defends against Farmer Brock Lesnar in his (laughs) overalls, his plaid shirts, his man bun, his bearded face, Brock Lesnar. And where, oh, where will Paul Heyman's loyalties lie? He was fired on TV, but was it all a ruse? Pretty soon, Roman Reigns is going to be like um, uh, Apollo Creed in Rockies and have like 54 nicknames, which is awesome. (laughs) I remember every one of them. So you're right. So this... Roman fired Paul Heyman a couple of weeks ago, um, citing the fact that Paul's not been truthful with him about his knowledge of Brock Lesnar's whereabouts and asked him, goes, are are you a special counsel? Are you an advocate? And they had a great moment where they kind of hugged it out and uh, Roman was saying, you know, thank you for your service. And, and Paul Heyman's essentially, you know, I love you, my tribal chief. And then, you know, you're fired, and he eats a Superman punch. Roman felt betrayed, so he fired Paul Heyman. Now, everyone and their dog, I think, expects that this is where Heyman's going to go back to supporting Brock Lesnar, that Paul Heyman will, in fact, help Brock Lesnar win the Universal Championship. I am of the opinion that everything that we've seen on TV is going to be a swerve. And that, in fact, this has all been set up by Roman and Paul. And that Paul Heyman is going to help Roman beat Brock. So my official prediction is uh, Roman Reigns, my tribal chief, I acknowledge him, is going to retain his title. Seth has picked... Brock Lesnar wins the title to set up WrestleMania blow-off. Just going to say no. 
<laughs> no to that. I, I've you know I've heard that whether it be a day one at Royal Rumble or whatever. Oh, we can have Brock win and then just give it back to Roman. Well, what's the point of that? What is the point of having Roman be champ for over a year to interrupt the title reign to shift it to Brock to get it back to Roman? Why? I don't understand that logic. If you're going to have a long reigning champion, make it mean something and have it be long reigning. The whole point, and and they need to touch on this more. They need to touch on how many people that Roman's defeated that don't even work in the company anymore. But um, he did that with that one promo. I forget how many weeks back, but you know, he was like, Edge smashed him. Daniel Bryan smashed him. John Cena smashed him. Like that was just a great promo. Um, yeah. Sent John Cena back to Hollywood. Uh, Brock smashed him. Just great stuff. But anyway, I, I am not in favor of breaking up the long title reign by hot potatoing it to Brock only to get it back to Roman. That's just dumb. No offense, Seth, but you're not the only one that said it. So I'm poo pooing it for everybody who said it. <laughs> well, and just quite frankly, in my opinion, Brock does not need to be the guy that, that beats Roman. Like, what what is Brock got? You know, he's he's Mister Part Time. What is he going to do as Universal Champion? Just show up every three months and have a squash title defense? It's like we had two years of that almost already. So, no, he doesn't need to be the guy that wins here. The only thing that he is is a believable, incredible end level boss for Roman to beat again. He's the next guy on the t-shirt. <laughs> right? Brock Lesnar smashed him twice. Thrice. <laughs> yeah. The only your thoughts on, on the Paul Heyman storyline, Josh. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, let me touch on that and then I'll get to this whole reported trilogy or whatever they're doing here. So I, I do agree with you, Jared. I do think this will be a swerve because uh, while Brock makes it believable and Brock can pull off the baby face, I can't see Paul Heyman as a baby face. Um, they've tried it before and it doesn't really last long. I don't think there's any money in a baby face Paul Heyman character. The money is that Roman outsmarted Brock. And this was all a plan from the get-go. Uh, so that's plausible to me. That's a better story. And we all know that Roman and Paul are writing this on their own anyway. And so that's that's the key here. And it just, again, adds another layer to this story. Now, the rumor is, or the report is, is that we're going to get Roman and Brock again at WrestleMania. Now, whether this defeat of Brock sends him into the Canadian abyss again until mania time, but the only thing that perplexes me is what does three wins against Brock do? Like, are we damaging Brock here? Can he absorb these losses? Because you would have beaten him in Saudi. You would have beaten him at day one. I don't think it's wise to squeeze another one in before Mania. 
if you have other lesser challengers for Roman to run through on the way to WrestleMania, fine. But then if we circle back to Brock and Roman again, while there's always the thread or threat of Brock winning because he's that believable, you would have defeated Brock a third time in this trilogy. And other than inflating Roman more, what are we really doing with Brock Lesnar? Now, again, he's part-time. Again, he has an aura and a mystique about him that perhaps he can absorb these losses. But I, I'm just, I'm trying to think of the, you know, devil's advocate uh, point of view here is, are we doing more damage to Brock by having him lose all three matches of a trilogy? I, I hear that. And, and I would think that day one, should it go as we suspect and where Paul Heyman turns on Brock, quote unquote, turns on Brock. And I don't know if you truly count that as a, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a loss in the record books, but it's not like Roman would really beat Brock. It's, it's a, it's a shenanigans thing. And can Brock survive a shenanigans loss? Absolutely. I think he can. So you're saying shenanigans for, well, I guess there were shenanigans in Saudi because Brock threw the belt in or Brock Paul threw the belt in Roman just happened to grab it first. And that wasn't clean. Then you can have whatever they're going to do on Saturday. And that probably won't be clean. And then you just have Roman completely smash him at mania. And then that's the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's, it's not like he's losing clean three times. It's there's been shenanigans involved. So at, at least in, in the, you know, in the last one, in, in day one, we had shenanigans. So, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't completely diminish what you're saying either, though, right? It's like Roman keeps Roman, or Roman and Paul keep finding a way to outsmart him. So there's that part of it too. It's it's not like well, it has to be a, a straight athletic win. It's like they just keep getting one up on him. Yeah, I can see that. It'll have they'll have to come up with something because. I mean, it's one thing to defeat Kevin Owens time and time and time again. And I think he only defeated Cesaro once earlier in the year, if I'm not mistaken. Defeated Cesaro once, Balor once, Cena once. Yeah, so they're having, I think Kevin Owens was the only repeat match. And that's also because the babyface was getting screwed time and time again, so he would get the opportunity again. Excuse me, indeed. Oh, this is going. <laughs> Well, that would be a good time to wrap up this episode because we've run <laughs> kind of long here. So next time out, we will probably go over day one results as we then will be gearing up for Royal Rumble, which I believe is the 30th of Jan. No, 29th. That is another Saturday pay-per-view, I believe. Yes, 29th of January, another Saturday pay-per-view, a first for the Royal Rumble. And uh, we will see how poorly some of us have executed these predictions <laughs> for the kickoff of the 2022 calendar year. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing, and we will talk to you next time.
Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle Podcast Network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments at Twitter at TWBP Show, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at The Bacon Rev, and you can follow Josh at Southpaw Josh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from The Wrestling Brethren. <laughs>